Hello, family and friends. Welcome to Families with Learning Capabilities. I am Tanisha Tyus. Happy New Year. Can you believe we are in the year 2022? It has been a while since I've produced an episode with our last one uh, being an interview with Diane Linger, not only an education interventionist at the school where my daughter attends, but also a critical piece to my child's education journey as the facilitator of the Discovery Program, also known as the NILD Program, which is designed for children with learning disabilities. Last episode, she described the premise of the NILD Program and also shared her personal journey in raising children with learning disabilities. Full of nuggets and gems, please, if you didn't listen, take a listen. It is titled The NILD Program Posted on September 7th under the podcast, Family with Learning Capabilities. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcast. It has been a while, and so I quickly like to reshare the purpose of this podcast. I think that is extremely important in understanding um, how something came about. So this was birthed from my personal journey with my child, Peyton, now nine years old, who was diagnosed with ADHD around the age of seven, then at the age of eight, diagnosed with dyslexia. Needless to say, it's been a long, frustrating roller coaster ride of a struggle since the discovering her signs or symptoms around the age of three. So the onset of the pandemic brought a shutdown, specifically schools shut down and enhanced or uh, increased the awareness of and utilization of virtual learning, which made it not only more difficult to navigate through assisting my child through day-to-day learning, but um, also Uh, I see where it definitely did affect a lot of other families. I started to see and hear the struggles of other parents that were going through. And with one in five children uh, with a learning disability, this affects many, many families. So why not start a podcast about the real struggles of a parent with a child with learning disabilities include all the figures that have their hand in this special journey and consolidate it all on one platform. Perhaps provide those that are taking the same trip a platform to provide empathy, tears, laughs, um, even coping mechanisms, professional and clinical tips and suggestions on better ways to navigate this and prayerfully not only manage but overcome these learning disabilities and turning them into capabilities. Thus, the podcast title, Families with Learning Capabilities. So now that and the purpose is all out of the way, I wanted to start the first episode of the new year in a different way. If you've listened to my previous episodes, you've noticed that I typically have another person Um, that I have discussions or interviews with. And that is still uh, the plan for future um, episodes is to usually have someone um, in place that have their hand somewhat or clear near 
you know, working with children with per- with uh, learning disabilities, whether it's a parent um, discussing their journey and their experiences, or a, a clinician or an administ- school administrator or teacher, it is my goal to make sure and provide um, any type of emotional assistance, but also be able to provide some tidbits that will be able to assist um, all of us in navigating and, you know, easing this process a little bit or making it a little bit easier. So I've decided to um, share some personal experiences um, that I have collected more recently regarding uh, this journey, uh, you know, and navigating through the learning disabilities. And I think this episode, I want to label or title it, When Bad Has Gone Worse. Now, when Peyton was five years old, I can recall her handwriting being very legible. She would beautifully handwrite her words and oftentimes was even observed and complimented by uh, many people. Then in first grade, I started to see her handwriting become smaller, um, illegible, unrecognizable, where I couldn't even read some words. I started to begin noticing these trends of highs and lows throughout all of her academic courses. There would be one week she would easily remember or be able to work a one-digit addition fact. And then the next week, we would be back to learning what addition is. A few days where she would read fluently with very little assistance. And then days later, reread that same chapter and would be stumbling over every other word. More recently, I've noticed where these highs and lows have carried over into her day-to-day behavioral presentations, particularly how she receives and follows instructions. Now, when she was very young, around five years old, I started to identify that she could only take a set of instructions consisting of only one or two instructions at a time. For instance, if I needed her to go upstairs and get her green hat, put it in her book bag and bring it back down, I couldn't tell her all that in one set and expect her to accomplish the task. I would have to give her, give it to her in one or two instructions. For instance, go upstairs to your bedroom, then get your green hat and put it in your backpack. She'd complete that. Now bring it downstairs. So this is something that it's a common characteristic of ADHD or children with ADHD, but it's something that we've always struggled with, but more recently have identified uh, having to increase the amount of times that I give her one instruction. So a few weeks ago, for instance, I told her four times to put her clothes in the wash machine. We're in the bedroom. I'm staring at this small pile of clothes on her floor. And I tell her, 
make sure and put these clothes in the wash machine. Did you hear me, Peyton? Yes. Make sure you put those clothes in the wash machine. A minute passes. I remind her again, make sure Peyton and put those clothes in the wash machine, okay? In the wash machine. An hour later, I go to the laundry room and I notice that these clothes are not in the wash machine, but they are in the dirty clothes basket next to the wash machine. So needless to say, you know, um, this occurs daily in more than 75% of the instructions I give her. And they could be very simple, basic instructions that she has been doing for years, such as brush your teeth, wash your face. These are things that I have to remind her of daily. So it's a roller coaster ride of emotions. You got progress or you make progress, then you have setbacks and it becomes frustrating, beyond frustrating. This process is definitely a roller coaster ride of wins, losses, highs, lows, victories, defeats. And you can experience all this within a week's time. So this is, like I said, just part of our process. I also have identified that, you know, these learning disabilities don't just affect her academics or learning, but can also produce behavioral glitches. And I say glitches because I view her brain as a computer. And when and if the brain isn't getting the necessary fuel or the hemispheres are not communicating with one another or partnering and working well with one another as they should be, then it can cause a behavioral glitch. So then this leads to upset. And then I find myself very sternly, and I'm gonna be honest, even militantly, constantly fussing, speaking to her, which upsets her and it doesn't produce favorable results, right? So I start questioning, what are the things that she can control and not control? Because these learning disabilities can affect memory, retention, and recall of any instruction. And it's difficult to determine where the line is drawn, right? So these learning disabilities present symptoms or present characteristics where they can only process so much but then where does that end and then where does her will begin so I do believe that when a child gets in the habit of not following the rules or not listening disciplines have to be put into place to be able to reel that lack of self-control in aside from the challenge of following instructions I get her grade card last quarter and her grades have declined in all of her classes. This is the season of when bad gets worse. So you're thinking, I have all of these solutions in place, or what I think are solutions. I have her in private schooling. We have tutoring in place. Let me remind you, she's had a tutor since she's been in pre-K. We have these special intervention programs that she's been a part of. The fam family and structural disciplines are in place for for all her grades, well, for all of her grades to decline. What am I doing wrong? What can I do better? What needs to change? I am tapped out. 
out. And that's where I was at a few weeks ago. Like, I'm tapped out. No, you're not. So you got to speak to yourself. So to those parents out there that feel like, and you will get there multiple times through this journey where you feel like I got nothing else to give, right? But you're not. It's about changing some things around, but still maintaining the core disciplines and staying diligent and consistent in that. Keep those day-to-day academic strategies in place. Keep reading 20 minutes a day. Keep doing 10 minutes of flashcards and writing of those spelling words. My motto is a little work daily will make a big difference for it. So I was reading something the other day and according to Dr. Levin, uh, he is a doctor that um, uh, is interviewed in the K-12 academics articles. The main trait with learning disabilities is, is, is a significant deficit in academic performance despite having adequate intelligence. He says one of the solutions to this is having students become detectives in con- into contributing factors to their inconsistency and helping them to look for strategies to overcome the bad days is an effective method in teaching independent troubleshooting. So of course, this is all what we're, what our goal is for our children is to be able to make them more independent learners, right? But in this, or a part of that, is allowing the student or the child to be able to investigate and research and be able to come up with what the problem is and what solutions can I put in place. What I have learned over these last, I would say two years, um, and, and how to overcome this emotional, uh, you know, roller coaster ride as a result of the inconsistent performance, the highs and the lows, the ebbs and the flows, First is to celebrate the win. So when that child is reading smoothly or is able to do a math problem without working it out on paper, praise them and praise yourself. This will promote internal and emotional feel-goods. So both Peyton and myself both love those feel-good vibes, Um, but which in return will motivate the brain to crave more of those feel-good vibes and thus will store and then reproduce the action that results in those feel-good vibes. So you're going to get a lot more frequent, better, positive results if you praise them. So I've noticed when I present praise, even in the small things, not only does it ease an intense atmosphere, it lightens and lifts my child's spirits and will produce more positive results. So this is a habit that we As impatient parents, and I am definitely one of those, I have to intentionally put this into practice. So last year, I remember having one of my many revelations, miniature, many as in miniature revelations about operating in my emotions and how my tongue was affecting my child. Constantly yelling at her and telling her what she isn't doing right. This was not only wearing her down, but wasn't producing a confident, independent, happy child. And that's what we want. We love our children. We want our children to be independent and confident and happy. 
And this was something that was not producing this. So I took a week and I challenged myself to not only praise her, but do not make any comments on what she is doing wrong. This was my challenge for this week. First day in, I check her classwork for that day. And she had gotten not only a failing grade on one test, but she also had some incompletes on several other assignments. Her spelling and phonics um, paper where she had to write out a paragraph was incomplete. Um, I had noticed like, for instance, the word would, W-O-U-L-D in fourth grade, should be able to spell that, okay? Was misspelled throughout the entire paragraph along with so many other words. In addition to that, I had received an email from the teacher about her constant issue with playing in the bathroom and having to find some solutions to help her with these distractions. This is the first day in to this to this new challenge that I had presented for myself. How do I find the positive in this day? And furthermore, how do I not chastise or correct her in her wrongdoing? Now remind you, these were the initiatives of this challenge that was necessary to be successful for this week. And this is the first day in, someday to try this new challenge. So. I had to find something that was positive to praise her for. Okay, she wrote her name at the top of all of her pages. She typically doesn't. Great job, Peyton. Her handwriting was more legible than usual. Peyton, your handwriting is really improving. She puts her shoes in the closet instead of leaving them in the middle of the floor. Peyton, I like that you remembered to put your shoes in the closet this time. My point is, although it is hard to find sometimes the good in a day filled with frustration, anger, sadness, and disappointments, I still, you still have to find the small things and offer big praise for it, right? So I still kept working at it, even though, to be honest, that week was full of some days of failures, right? But I still kept working at it. And instead of introducing just one week being the praise week, it became a constant goal of mine. And slowly and still is slowly becoming a practice or a lifestyle. Not only is this practice enhancing my child's self-perception, but it's also changing my perception of how I view life in general. So again, you know, my point is, even though it may be difficult to identify the good in some days of of huge disappointments, um, you know, continue to make it a challenge or to challenge yourself to find the good and to verbally and openly praise them for it. Now, another, uh, another uh, you know, example of what has really worked for me and Peyton um, is providing your child with an activity or hobby that they are good at. So oftentimes, day in and day out, you know, I'm constantly on her hard about her academics. At least Monday through Friday, I am. 
However, there's got to be something that a child does that they excel at that doesn't require constant managing, hand-holding, instruction. So Peyton has danced and has danced since she was three and a half years old. She's naturally good at it. She also loves to paint. So I encourage these things because it allows her to pursue something that doesn't require a lot of unwanted roles to achieve a good outcome. So another principle that I have implemented and now more recently um, is the consequence model. So I needed something in place that would counter or mitigate my emotional rants as a result of frustration. And parents, we've got a lot of those, you know, and we have a lot of those days that are just filled with the highs and lows. And that produces just, especially if we don't know how to manage our emotions properly, we just have these emotional rants. So instead of me fussing, and I'm going to even say bullying, because I have, or being upset and operating in my emotions, we are following this consequence discipline. So if I tell her once to do something and she doesn't do it, then a consequence will follow. Whether it's getting going to bed earlier, limiting the TV, phone time, maybe not even attending that birthday party this weekend, you got to be consistent in the consequences. She's got to understand or the child has to understand that there are consequences to the wrongdoing. So this has been my share for this episode, When Bad Gets Worse. Let your child thrive in their element through a hobby or extracurricular activity. Allow them to investigate and create solutions for a temporary setback. And establish consequences for their wrongdoing and stick to it. And most importantly, give yourself some grace and credit. Praise you and your special one, even for the smallest gestures or improvements. This is a journey. So create solutions, try them out and adjust them where you see fit to what gives you and your family of learning capabilities, the results you want and deserve. Thank you for listening. Please share. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Talk to you later. It's Tanisha Tyus at Families with Learning Capabilities.